What's up, Energy Fam? This is Justin, and welcome back to another episode of Wicked Energy with JG. My goal with each episode is to deconstruct the minds of today's energy thought leaders to uncover their framework and tools used in their journeys of providing energy to the world. So sit back, relax, and remember that everything you see around you requires some form of energy. All right. Perfect. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. I'm here with my man, Nick, Mr. Viking Power Williams, Vice President of Sales at Viking Power Technologies. Nick, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show for round two. Uh, yes, I had you on so long ago, man. How how are things? We're going to catch up on all the great stuff you're doing, but how's everything in your world today? It's Friday. I mean, you're not on the golf course. So you must be working like most of us. That's right. It's month in, man. We got we to try to get a few more, a few more dollars and cents in, so um but but no man i really appreciate you having me on uh yeah. like you said there's there's been a lot of changes since last time um i'm a uh, i'm a texan now so uh i moved from denver um april of 21 i guess is when we uh is when we moved down here and we've just been loving life man we moved up to uh we're in montgomery okay and uh yeah found a found a cool little place on the lake on lake conroe and uh beautiful the boys my my, my three boys are definitely living their best life um, yes. so it's fun to watch them growing up in a different environment and, um, we, we've adapted to the heat pretty well. And, uh, so just enjoying life in general, man, man that's, uh, that's so cool. Dude. It, it's great. Like doing things that, you know, whether it's a move or a vacation or an experience that you get to do with your kids and, and then them light up because of it as a parent, yeah. it's like the best thing ever. Right. And so, uh, that's cool, man. So how, so what's like since moving, cause where are you from originally or you're not you're, are you from Denver? I'm not from Colorado. No, I was born and raised in Indiana. Um, okay, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Born, born and raised in Indiana, and then I moved down to, I graduated college, moved down to Missouri, and uh, coached college football for three years at, at Missouri Southern. That's I was right. Getting my master, I was getting my master's degree for two of those years. And then, uh, lo and behold, I guess tie it all together, um, I got out of coaching so I could coach my kids one day because I saw mm -hmm. that if they ever wanted to play football, the way schedules worked out, I'd never be able to coach him. And uh, so now to this day, I'm eating those words and I'm not sure if I'm busy or coaching football or, or, or trying to sell power sections. So, man, I get it. It's uh, so dude, what do you think about like where you're at now here in Texas, you know, football is life here for a lot of people. I mean, is it a different vibe coaching from where you were to, to here? Like, what's that like? I mean, I, it, it's all, I think everything is what you make it right. Um, I, there, there is a certain level of, um, I don't know, um, into it, that people are here that may yeah. not be other places. Um, but kids are kids, right? Kids are kids, whether they're here in Indiana or Missouri. Um, and that's the fun part for me is getting them get, watch them see that light bulb go off and go, Oh, that's why you're asking me to do that. Cause then we score a touchdown or when we make a tackle and it doesn't hurt or whatever it is. So, yeah. um, kids are kids. I think the, the level of intensity of the parents may be a little different down here, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, it's uh so dude. So my son, he's four, and uh -huh. we got him playing flag football on Saturdays. Mm. And at first, you know, again, they're young. It's just it's 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 a bunch of kids running around. They see someone okay. run, they don't know why they're running, so then they just start running yeah. and like figuring out is like get the ball and go that way. Uh, you know, all like the fundamentals of like the game. It's so yep. crazy. But once you once they start getting it, it's uh it's fascinating, and so. At home, uh, you know, I've got them like, okay, when you get the ball, don't run backwards. You know, don't right. don't run away from people. Run through yes. them. <laughs> you know, right. like it's uh, right. man, it's a blast. I uh, I kind of help coach. We got a guy who uh, his name is Brad. Uh, I forget his last name, but he's got a, a quarterback. Uh, like a uh, he's got a company where he trains quarterbacks. And oh no, he, kidding! Yeah, and so his son's four. <clears throat> He's, he's helped coach and train people from high school to college yeah. and eat some like rookies in the NFL. And this dude's dialed in. And so like, I was so fortunate, you know, cause that we did uh, some sports for our daughter in the same league. And it was like a dad who like had never played or whatever, just trying to volunteer. You told to do it by the wife, right? <laughs> exactly. Right. And so, yeah. but like, I'm like, Oh, cool. Like someone who actually understands the game and he's so good with the kids and he motivates them. And it's all about like listening and discipline, having fun and, um, and, and to, and I say all that to say is like, 
I admire your efforts in, in coaching and doing that. Cause it takes a lot of time, man. And like when we're growing up, we don't realize, um, ah, well, there it is. I mean, we don't realize that the amount of time and, and sacrifice it takes to, to coach. So I admire you for doing that. You you're involved with all kinds of things, but what's, I get, you know, real quick before we move on to another topic is like, what's your favorite thing about like coaching kids? Teaching them, I, I think for me is, is, is teaching, is showing them how sports teach life. Everybody's goal when they get into play sports is they want to go play on in a NFL on Sundays or, you know, go play in the NBA, whatever. That's yeah. all, that's all fine and well. For, but for the vast majority of us, um, I was, I was, uh, maybe the, smart enough early on to know that I wasn't going to go on to, to, to do this for a job if it was in a playing capacity. So that's why I wanted to get into coaching. But, yeah. um, my college football coach always talked about being an impact man. And that, that has resonated with me and how, how better can you impact young men that are, that are trying to figure out, you know, they're 11 and 12 years old. They don't know, you know, their bodies are changing their minds are changing. Things are going everywhere. And I can't, I mean, we say it all the time. It sounds like an old man, but like growing up today, I don't know if I could handle it. You know, all this stuff that they've got going on and, and you know, the, the internet and the videos and the phones and all this other stuff. So just kind of giving them like, Hey, here's your two hour window. Where yeah. you got to think about nothing else but football. Yeah. And at the end of that, I'm going to teach you something you did today that you can take to class tomorrow when somebody knocks you down or when you get a bad grade. Do we just go in the corner and we, we shut her down or are we going to stand up and we're going to go back out and, and get after it again? So yeah. that, that kind of thing is making the transla translation from, from the playing field to, to life. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but this episode is sponsored by 10X Technologies, pushing the boundaries of chemistry. 10X is innovating the future of the oil and gas industry with their proprietary materials-based technology solutions. With cutting edge products like NanoClear, custom designed nanofluids engineered to maximize the production of new completions and rejuvenate existing wells, 10X is driving a revolution in oil extraction. Meet Microhold, a specially engineered microparticle slurry that optimizes frac efficiency, props microfracs, and triggers far field diversion every well, every time sees the benefits. And if you're worried about frac hits, 10X has you covered with no hit, an innovative technology that mitigates frac hits via in-situ pressurization reaction. It's protection where you need it most. Then there's Sandbond, a sand consolidation chemical solution that's just another example of 10X's commitment to practical field-ready solutions. And let's not forget about Seroflow, a greener, cost-effective, proprietary blend of design materials to banish paraffin issues once and for all. That's 10X, where innovation meets application in the oil and gas industry. Find out more about their groundbreaking solutions at pumpmoreoil.com and be on the lookout for five, yeah, you heard it, five new products launching soon. Now, let's get back to the show. Dude, that shit gives me goosebumps because I, again, growing up playing sports, there was... Mm. There were so many things that I learned that I could translate that translated into life. And, you know, just like from, from the discipline aspect, the adversity and nowadays, like, you know, we, my, my wife and I, and our family, we've been extremely fortunate, you know, from a financial perspective to, to, to not have to worry about a lot of things that other people throughout the U S and even the world have to worry about. And so, you know, it's always, I always think as like a father to, to a, a boy and a girl's like, how do I prepare them for getting punched in the mouth and instead of just rolling over, like getting up and getting better and learning and, and using that as fuel to get better. And man, it's just, uh, like sports. I don't, they're just, and again, I'm biased, but like, I don't know anything else that if you're, you know, if you're comfortable living in the suburbs and, uh, you got food and shelter and, you know, nice schools and a loving family, like, how do you teach like, like getting knocked down and getting hit? you know, getting back up and like, I just, there's sports is, there's just, and I tell that to my wife all the time. She didn't really grow up playing sports and she's sure. starting to see it now. But, um, again, I, I commend you. I could talk about parenting and fatherhood for forever. Um, we can do a whole podcast on that, my man. I know. <laughs> it's we, on the mind. We should, we, we should do that, dude. I think a lot of people would relate to it. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of folks that listen that are our age and are probably fathers, but, uh, no, we'll save that one for, for another episode. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Lastly on football real quick. I mean, it, it's been the, the hype of ESPN and the rest of the nation. What do you think about Colorado and Deion Sanders, man? Because that kind of ties into what we're talking about a little bit. Man, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've never been um, 
I've never been a good enough athlete to, to be the guy that can talk all the time. I was kind of a keep my mouth shut, do my job type of guy. Um, yeah. so, so his, his way and his manners, mannerisms are things that I've never really related with. But if you truly just go beyond the, the sunglasses and the hat, and, and here I am wearing a hat in an interview, um, <laughs> I should have put on my glasses, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, if, if you get past all of that, the, the words that he's saying and the message that he's given, I mean, if it's all legit, and that's the one thing that I try to tell everybody, like, what's the biggest difference? You know, what was college person like and all that stuff is it's not what you see. I, mm. I it, those three years helped me more than anything is like, I've got a, I've got a son playing seventh grade football and I need to get your, uh, your other coaches information. Cause he's now playing quarterback, a position I don't, I, I never played and never coached and I don't know anything about. So I might want to reach out to him, but, uh, but anyhow, um, you know, what what it's given me is I, I would never question another coach. You know, we get frustrated that why aren't they doing this or why you're not in that room. You're not spending all those hours. I mean, these seventh grade coaches here at Montgomery and Lake Creek, there's two hundred plus kids out on the football field that they've wow. got to figure out how to coach on a regular basis. And so to what you see is not always what's going on. You know, the result is not necessarily the work that's being put in. And, and he's obviously on a much more public stage, but you know, some of the things that he says and the way that he says it and the message that he preaches, I think the one that hit home the most is, is I'm going to tell these kids the truth. And in this world, we have gotten away from appreciating the truth. We mm. want to hear what makes us feel good. Yeah. I'm going to tell you the truth, whether it makes you feel good or not, because wow. the truth is the truth. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I do admire his, I don't care what anyone thinks about me i struggle with 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 my perception of hey man i really want everybody to like me i want everybody to be my friend why is he you know why is this why is that and i so I, I think about that a lot and he said it the other day he said what makes me think what makes you think that i care about your opinion of me you didn't make me so you can't break me and so listening to stuff like that that fires me up and yeah. so if that's truly what's going on if what's what what the you know, what the clicks is, as the Oregon coach was calling it, what the clicks are, are, are portraying, if that's truly what's happening behind those closed doors. And I would imagine it is, and probably even to a greater level. Yeah. I, I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. Yeah. No, besides again, you know, their record and in their performance aside is he's really, again, from my perspective, and like you say, this is, we're, we're quite a few degrees of separation from what's actually happening. All I see is yeah. what's happening on social media and the news, yeah. ESPN, but I mean, he's, he's, he's building young men. And I think he said something to the effect is like a lot of these boys weren't fortunate enough to, to be, to be raised by a father figure who was there, who was present. So he's like, I'm these, I'm the father. Like I have yeah. a responsibility to raise men and, and whether or not they get to the league or not, I want them to be better people when they leave my program. Like yep. that in itself is amazing. And so he's, he's taken that responsibility and he's run with it. Um, and uh, again, I think it's just it's a it's a cool story, and whether or not they win any more games or not, I think it's been a successful season, and and hopefully Absolutely. he kind of changes the the landscape a little bit, um, for maybe other coaches or just you know for people to look at things a little differently. Yep. Uh, and and I respect the living crap out of it. I think it's super cool, but uh, no, it, it's, I think I it goes back. I think it goes back to what we were what we were originally talking about was sports can teach you so much. He didn't have a dad growing up. Yeah, and he real he he related to his coaches as his father figure, and that's then it. he realized that's that that's my ministry. That's what I need to do. And I mean, again, sports could have taught him you know a lot of things, but it taught him this was my gift. This is how I got a father, right? And yeah. and and that's a whole other podcast about you know um, all all the things going on in fatherless homes and all that stuff. But like, yeah. but he used it as, and this is what I talked to my kids about this weekend. We can look at this and we can feel sorry for ourselves, or we can look at it as an opportunity. And he yeah. took it as an opportunity to use his platform. So exactly what you said, if, if they don't win another game, he's changed the lives of a lot of young men. I think that's awesome. Yeah, no, amen to that, dude. It's uh, it's, it's super cool. Um, speaking of clicks and stuff like that, uh, Friday freebies, man. I, did you do one today yet or what? I didn't do one today, man. I didn't, I, I thought about doing one and I was like, oh, I'll do the podcast with Justin and yeah. I know it's not live, but we'll, we'll get it out there. So I oh, need yeah. to get back on it. I, I, I go in waves. Right. And, um, it all started as you know, I mean, it started during COVID and it was a <laughs> yeah. conversation with you that got him started. 
And yeah. I was thinking about them today as I was kind of doing, you know, just reflecting and, and getting ready for this. But it, the more I did them and the more I got into them, I didn't prep for them. I didn't like, I would just hear something during the week or read something during the week and it would hit me. And that's what I wanted to talk about that morning. And it yeah. was more just me talking to myself. Right. And I just happened to record it and then put it out there and then people started reacting to it. So yeah, um, it's been pretty cool. No, I love it, man. I, I, you know, again, during COVID, there was a lot of people who started kind of, you know, trying the content thing. And I love that you did the Friday freebies, man. I think it was really cool and seemed like you got quite a bit of traction with them. And hopefully there was a little bit of benefit there. But at the end of the day, like you said, it was something that you just wanted to voice and put it on a platform for maybe to kind of help change other people's minds or give them a little yep. something to think about. And no, man, I think it's great. And again, like you kind of got over the hump of, kind of thinking like, oh, should I do this? Should I not? So uh, no, I was, yeah, again, it's like, it's so cool to see that, man. But I encourage you to keep doing it, man. And I'm I'm like you, dude, like I may go two weeks hard and like, I just get like all this creative juices going and posting yep. and it just comes so naturally. And then other times if I'm distracted, whether it's like work or just like other things going on, it's like, I think that I'm like, I don't even, I have no idea what to post about. And so it's, it's ebbs and flows. And I find like when I force it, it just doesn't feel right. And so I just, yeah. I, I let the... Again, I let my, I'm more, I, now I post more intuitively, whereas before I was like, I have to post every day. And I think there's a time for that where to kind of like help build that community. But man, there's a reality is like, it's just, it's tough to do, but, uh, but no, I encourage you to keep doing it when, when the time's right and it feels yep. good, hit that record button. Um, mm. hell yeah. So let's, let's talk about uh drive for a cure. That is, and that is something that's, you know, I think changed the lives talking about that. Um, and making an impact, dude, like that's been huge. Um, talk a little bit about the origin story behind that and then how it's grown to what it is now. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, so I have three boys, uh, my wife and I have three boys and, uh, my oldest was, is now, uh, 13 years old. And so he was born with a condition called cystic fibrosis and it's a right. genetic disease that affects the lungs and the, um, and your, um, enzymes in your stomach and so so it, it affects your digestive system and all kinds of different things they essentially produce an extra thick mucus that messes up a lot of me a lot of a lot of people have to have lung transplants and all this other stuff we had never heard of it before um and in our lives and the greatest blessing we had was the first we were living in midland at the time and the first doctor the first specialist we saw about it said this disease is what you two are going to make it and he said, if you treat your son like there's something wrong with him and he's got a sickness and he's got an illness and you put him in a bubble, he's going to be sick. He's going to be, you know, weekly, all this other stuff. He said, but he said, we're going to do all these things. He said, the world of CF is changing. He said, by the time you two are done and gone, there will be a cure for this disease. And this guy was on his way out. It was his last year as a, as, as a doctor, as a physician. Um, so that, that gave us the mindset we needed to to attack that part of it right so jackson's been super healthy never had a knock, knock on wood never had a hospital stay there's been some unbelievable um advancements in medicine he's on a on a drug called tricapta right now that honestly it's it's changed his life he started growing wow. he started putting on weight uh, like i said he's playing football he plays basketball he golfs he, he he you wouldn't know there's anything wrong with jackson until he takes that handful of pills every time he eats uh, he takes about 25 to 30 pills a day um and and then does two vest treatments to kind of clear his airways and make sure that but but he does all that in silence right he works in silence and he does i mean he doesn't complain about it and um you talk about impacted people that that young man right there is a is a stud he's mine but he he is an absolute stud so um fast That's forward awesome. fast forward we have our and it's a recessive gene right so my wife and i were carriers of it but we didn't know either one of us were carriers of it so he just he got the 25 percent chance of, of being of, of having cf um so prayed a lot uh, you know asked a lot of questions and we decided hey you know what it wasn't it wasn't uh us that we were, we were blessed with this child from god as we truly believe that 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 god gave us the opportunity to be parents and it wasn't right for us to try to stop doing that so we were going to continue to have kids and, and and that sort of thing so we had my my middle son brock who is who is um unfortunately just like me uh but but he doesn't he he did not does not have cf and then Along come Lincoln, um, and the day we were supposed to go in for the final ultrasound, uh, my wife's water broke, and so she went into early labor, and um, she had to have an emergency C-section. As the doctor is handing me Lincoln, uh, he says, does he look like either one of your other sons? And I was like, 
I just went from a room with two people to a room with 40 people. You just cut my wife open. Yeah. Yes, he looks like, but like, what you know, but he knew right away uh, that, that Lincoln had Down syndrome. And mm -hmm. uh, so that wasn't something we were prepared for. It wasn't something we knew about. I mean, we obviously know what Down syndrome is, and, and we have a we have a, a cousin whose daughter has Down syndrome, and um, she's just an incredible person. But uh, um, it was just like we knew CF was a possibility, but this was another just punch to the gut, right? Just take all your all the wind out of your sails, and what are we going to do? And so he'd spent a bunch of time in the hospital. I go into that story. It's a very long story, but um, he is an absolute rock star seven years old um my, my I, I tell everybody all the time moving down here to texas the only thing my two older boys don't like is that they no longer have first names they're just lincoln's brother oh you're <laughs> lincoln's brother you're lincoln's brother so yeah um, while all this was going on my brother and sister-in-law lived in colorado near us and um we had always talked about doing a golf tournament for cystic fibrosis because or, or doing something to raise money for cystic fibrosis because at that time all of our, all of our extracurricular, all of our money and stuff that we would donate went to CF. Um, well then this down syndrome piece comes into the, into the fold and my parents are asking my, you know, all of our parents are asking, what can we do to help? Where do we want to, we want to donate, but we don't know what to do. And finally my brother calls me and says, we're starting a foundation and we'll let our family give to the foundation. We're going to be in tune with both CF and, and down syndrome communities. And we will just, they can donate to our foundation and, and we'll go from there. And so Down Free Cure was created at my kitchen table one night and <laughs> back back in, uh, gosh, it's almost 10 years now. So, wow. um, no, I guess it'd be seven years because Lincoln's seven, sorry. Uh, but anyway, seven years, seven years ago, it was, we, we created Down Free Cure through the help of my brother. And so it's myself, my wife, and my brother that are, are the 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 top the bottom and the middle and the ins the outs everything that goes on with the organization and so we started with a golf tournament and we didn't know what we were doing and we just found a golf course and we'd been to golf tournaments before so we try to mimic some of those things and try to do our own and we uh did our first golf tournament we raised ten thousand dollars and we thought we were just killing it right we were we were ecstatic people just told us how awesome it was and and all this stuff so we were able to donate to the cf foundation and the down syndrome association in colorado and um and fast forward now, and this year we we it was the second year that we posted a tournament in both Texas and Colorado. Yeah. We raised over sixty thousand dollars in uh, in Texas, and we raised over fifty thousand dollars in Colorado. So, all yeah. in all, we, we raised over one hundred ten thousand dollars in the two tournaments, and that's huge. Um, so now we're just looking, right? Like we don't. Um, none of the money goes to. Uh, we don't take anything. There's no salaries. There's no nothing. So we we. we honestly have a, a, a an ability to help out in a lot of different ways i think um we just donated uh we're going to donate ten thousand dollars to the big walk up for rocky mountain down syndrome association um life cyverson who's the president of our company his granddaughter has down syndrome as well and his his yeah. uh daughter carmel has started an unbelievable foundation called zoe's toolbox and zoe's toolbox what it is, is when, when you're born with a child with Down syndrome, there's a lot of different needs that you have going home from the hospital. And there's yeah. a lot of families like us who you can, there's ways to find out if your child may or may not have Down syndrome in, in, in utero, but like we, we were going to love our child no matter what. So we didn't, we didn't act, we didn't know. But at the same yeah. time, there's some things that you take home from the, from the hospital, some books, some toys, some different things like that, that when she, when, when Carmel reached out to us and said, this is what I'm thinking about doing, everything she was putting in Zoe's toolbox was stuff we used throughout the first six months of Lincoln's life. So she wow. puts together these toolboxes yeah. and sends them to parents of kids with Down syndrome that are, that are leaving the hospital. And it, it, she has blown that thing up and it's done incredible. So, um, actually <laughs> October 4th, uh, there's a golf tournament for her that we're going to be a part of. Um, and so but the most impactful thing we've done here recently, this last golf tournament, we got a family that was a, a lot of times with our foundation, the, these bigger organizations will reach out to us and say, Hey, this family needs help, but it's too much red tape for us to do. Is there anything you can do? Mm -hmm. So Aaron met the wife, long story short, read through a caring bridge post. They had been in the hospital for over six months with their fourth child and he, and he had down syndrome. And, uh -huh. I, and I'll try to condense this as much as possible, but two months prior, two months before the son was born, the dad had quit his job to start his own company. 
and he he does this multifamily. He he he's got the chance to impact so many lives, right? We had to put all that on hold, and so for okay. six months he was dad to the three that were at home, running back and forth to the hospital, doing all these things, and. Aaron just connected with the wife in a way that it just, it was, it was a God thing. Right. And so the whole time we're figuring out what we're going to do, we, they were in the hospital for six months. What can we do for you guys? So we ended up, once they got out of the hospital, we stayed in touch with them, helped them out any way we could. But then we said, look, you lost this six months in your business. We want to make sure that you don't have to give up your dream. So wow. we paid their mortgage for the next six months. So that they could, that he could, didn't have to go back to corporate USA. He could still go pursue that dream that's in turn going to affect. So it's not just Down syndrome. Like he's going to go affect the lives of so many people with his business that he creates. And I truly believe like just, just after meeting them for the 10 minutes that we did, like just incredible people and, and just a, a huge, huge opportunity that this is exactly like my wife said it when when she handed me the phone to read some of the carrying bridge and she was, she got tears in her eyes and she says, this is why we did. This is why we started down for a cure. Yeah. That is a yeah. fascinating story, man. Like yeah. just the level of selfless selflessness to, to be able to do that. And to, I mean, again, all, you know, changing on changing that individual's life. I mean, you, you could have changed the trajectory of like generations to come through that yeah. type of donation and to help. And, um, man, and, and so talk about the community aspect. I feel like, like over time, you guys have grown, and I'm sure you've brought more people into the community, uh, whether it be volunteering or people who may be faced with similar challenges. Talk about the community and maybe some of the things that you kind of like well, didn't expect that are now that you're experiencing. Man, I, I got to talk about the oil and gas community because that's what this is. That's what's built it to what it is. And yeah. You know it because you've seen it. I've always known there were generous, generous people in the oil and gas community. And, you know, we do all kinds of fundraisers for student, you know, AADE and SPE and all these, all these, and Oil Field Helping Hands is an incredible organization. Yeah. Um, and they, they all do great things, but, but it's a big picture. And sometimes it, you don't necessarily get to see the fruits of the labor and things like that. So when, when we started, when we finally made the decision after the first golf tournament that we have to share what we're doing with this money so that people see where the impact that they're making mm -hmm. um that's when the flips the, the the switch flipped for us and people just wanted to be involved because they found something that they could connect with it was real it was tangible they know jackson they know lincoln they know brock they know aaron they know myself um and the selflessness of people i've had people that have not missed a single golf tournament since year one and that's in Colorado, that's Texas, that's going back and forth. Um, people donate, people, I mean, look, like this last one, we had, we had two, a, a lot of, the, a lot of the people that play in it are my customers, which in turn, they're competitors of one another. A lot of my customers are directional drilling companies or motor companies. And yeah. these guys get in a room and we start doing an auction for a fishing trip to Port O'Connor. You and I know what a fishing trip to Port O'Connor costs. And I've got. You know, Lee Harns from Altitude, I've got Tanner Schwartz from Total, and they're on either side of the room, and <laughs> I look, and I go, we're auctioning off a trip to Port O'Connor, and Tanner starts it off, five grand. And before you know it, we've raised $18,000, A, wow. because I might have played off a little competitiveness between the two of those guys, but, <laughs> yeah. but just, you know, and they've both got two or three teams in the, in the, in the event already, and they've already donated, and um, it's just incredible, the... Again, when you make personal connections with people, people are always like, man, why do you talk to so many people? Why are you always out, you know, um, you know, networking and all of that stuff? It, because it pays off. At, at the end of the day, yeah. if we don't have connections with people, then what, what do we have? Mm -hmm. You might have a few bucks in the bank. You might have a, a nice car, but like that, that only gets you so far, right? And yep. if you can make true heartfelt connections with people um, and, and then they see... When, when I talk about it or Aaron talks about it, the, the passion that we have for what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, because truly, we're, we, we believe that CF is going to stand for cure found, not for cystic fibrosis. And wow. we're close. And the Man. amount of money that these guys, and, and I try to explain to them all the time, we're just the conduit. You guys are the ones making the impact with all the money that they donate. 
yeah, yep. we it's it's time for us. But at the end of the day, like if I can make sixty thousand dollars for a cause that goes to research that finds one more genetic transformation that helps CF go to the next level, like who cares how much time it costs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, the, but the oil and gas community as a whole, and and as we're getting bigger, my wife has started playing golf now that we live down here in Texas and we live close oh, to the golf course. And so she's gotten in, in, into this group of, of women who they came out and played and they'd never played in an oil field golf tournament. So okay. there was food and there were shots and there was this and there was, and that, this is the most incredible thing I've ever been a part of. I'm 72 yeah. years old and I've never played in anything like this in my life. So <laughs> the, the community is growing and... And it's truly awesome to watch. And um, anytime I see, you know, everybody asks me, how many of those bracelets are you going to get on your wrist? And I said, as many as it takes. Because this is every every golf tournament that we've had, everybody's like, well, they can't stay on there. That gray one has been on there since 2018. What? Um, oh, so those so, are all from each tournament. I was wondering. I was like, man, you got a lot of bracelets yeah. there. Yeah. So anytime I see one of these out and about, people wear them. It's just like... Yeah. That's another supporter. That's awesome. It's cool to see. Eventually, what? I'm going to have to, like, I, I think I'm talking myself into, I'm going to have to find a good tattoo guy and just turn this into a tattoo because it's getting to the point where they're getting a little snug up here towards the uh, towards Dude, the forearm. That, so That'd be sick, actually. Yeah. That's a really cool idea. And it's it's just a reminder of, like, what you're yep. building, how many people you're impacting, the community that you're building. It's, uh, man, that, that is so cool. I love that. And Again, a big shout out to to you and, and everyone that's been involved. Um, give a little bit of update on when's the next one? Where do people sign up? If people want to get involved, like how do you go about doing that? Yeah, so we've got a website down for a cure.com and, and look, like I tell you, it's it, it is just me, my brother, and my wife. So it is a, a very basic. It's got some pictures, it's got some stuff from the tournament, kind of yeah. our story. We've posted some stories of people that we've helped out with their permission and things like that. Yeah. Um but yeah, downforacure.com. The next one will be in Texas in March. Typically what I do is try to figure out when spring break is going to be for the kids. And then we do it the Monday after that. Uh, um, okay. Yeah. So when everybody's back from spring break, just give them an extra day to get back into the swing of things and, and come out, have a good time at the golf tournament. Weather's yeah. usually pretty good. It was a little chilly last year, but uh, um, I'd rather have that than 115 that we've been dealing with the last six months. So yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and then we do the last Friday in July in Colorado every year. Um, so whatever okay. that turns out to be, the last Friday in July, I, it, you know, it's all tied to the oil and gas community. I go up to Casper for the Wildcatters Golf Tournament, which is an incredible golf tournament up there, and yeah. then swing down, which is the third week of July, and then swing down to Colorado, hang out with my brother and sister-in-law for a while, and, and then put on that golf tournament the the Friday, the last Friday in July. So wow, okay, now that's yeah. good. Yeah, obviously here in Houston. Um, I need to make sure we get involved with that one in March. Uh, where do you guys play up north somewhere? So we play. We we play, we played this year at Walden, and they were so welcoming. After cool. a lot, like like a lot of things after COVID, a lot of a lot of cooking on the course and and bringing you know bringing your own tables and stuff like that has been shut down at a lot of different venues. But Walden was gracious enough to allow us. You know, hey, they said you respect the course, you respect what we're doing. We'll let you do whatever you want to do. Um, essentially. And, um, so they let us bring cookers out. They let us bring, you know, uh, people set up. We had a, a cannon, a golf ball launcher. We had the whole nine yeah. yards. So <laughs> it was, um, it, it was great. And I think we'll do it again, uh, at Walton next year. So that's, that's the plan right now. Man, that's fascinating. Um, well, I want to take a pivot and, uh, geez, I can't believe we're burning up so much time, but, but for all good reasons, this in itself was, was, a, was, a, would have made for a great episode, but I do want to talk a little bit about, uh, directional drilling technology. I mean, that's, um, you know, on your day to day, obviously that's what, that's what I would imagine you spent a good majority of your time doing with Viking mm -hmm. power technologies. Um, you've got a longstanding career with, with in this field on the, on the directional drilling and, and, and I guess the, the motor side of things, but yes, sir. Right now, I mean, what what's got you most excited? I, I, I mean, I'm I'm on the drilling fluid side, but you know, obviously being at arm's length to directional drilling, aside from like, you know, steering and 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 being able to place a well within inches of where you want it to go. What what's got you excited? And what kind of technologies are are out there that uh, maybe some that are sort of revolutionary or really moving the needle? 
Yeah, man. I mean, the, the exciting thing for me in the power section world and, and, and manufacturing is in general is there's a lot of problems in the oil and gas industry that we have to saw that, hey, we got to get oil out of the ground. This rock is tough. This, you know, the, the temperatures are high, things like that. So it's a lot of problem solving, right? And mm -hmm. um, but the team that we put together at Viking um, is one that is not just a power section, but a bunch of people that only know power sections, right? We've come from the motor industry, come from the directional side of the business. We've We've run motor shops, you know. Um, so understanding the um, urgency that there is in the directional drilling world and the need to have answers right away and come up with solutions in a timely manner and then and then produce solutions that that work um, yeah. is is awesome. Um, our our latest uh, elastomer technology is VPX and it's a it's an extreme. We, we we call it VPX because it's an extreme elastomer, whether it be extreme temperatures, extreme wear that you're seeing from. Whether it be fluids or whether it be you know downhole condition, whatever it may be, um, this elastomer has proven to be just second to none as far as um, reliability, especially in the heat. Um, okay, got a lot of success. Uh, it's been incredible out the gate to have that much success in the in the hot hole, um, and you know we've we've had wells that uh, um, we've had we've had power sections that have run for over a hundred hours at three hundred eighty degrees and uh, wow. um, and held up. Uh, one of the things that, that has helped with that is our ability to uh, produce even wall technology. And so for, I guess the easiest way to describe it is for a conventional stator, um, it is a, it is a, it is a tube with elastomer put into it, um, around a mold. And that mold is, gives you the configuration of, of your motor, right? So the, the old school, the, the tried and true six and three quarter, seven, eight, five, oh. Okay, so a rotor is a long uh, piece of seventeen four that's milled, and it has it has peaks and valleys or lobes on it, right? And the seven eight is the number is the seven is the number of lobes on the rotor, and then the five point is how many times that lobe wraps around the rotor from one end to the next, to from one end to the other. Um, that determines speed, that determines torque, that determines just basically how the how the power section works. Um, so in a conventional stator. That is, that elastomer is injected into a, um, uh, a piece of 4140, uh, steel tube that is, um, concentric all the way around. And an even wall stator, we, de we design the inside of the stator to match the profile of the rotor. So rather than having thick parts of rubber and thin parts of rubber or peaks and valleys in the rubber, the rubber yeah. is the same all the way around. It is a metal contour inside of the, inside of the, uh, tube that matches the contour of the rotor and then you just you inject a uh, a thin layer of rubber on that so what that does is it it is more predictable swell from the elastomer because again you don't have really thick parts of it and really thin parts of it um and the easiest way to do this is to see it so you go to the website vikingpt.com and, and we've got some some pictures and videos of it but um it's a it's a great technology that um people have used for a long time but you know Combining that with our VPX elastomer has proven to be really, really good for us. Uh, and um, I mean, overall, with Viking though, the, the the probably for me the most exciting thing is building something. Right? We we started with in April of twenty one with three customers, and now we've got eighty two plus customers. We've got you know, wow. um, we're we're going from Canada all the way you know all the way throughout the United States. We're we're concentrating on North America, but. Uh, uh, Canada all the way through the United States. We um, built proprietary models that are specific to to customers. We've um, made industry standard models. We've uh, um, we're trying to change the game from a uh, from a sales and marketing standpoint as far as you know build the relationships that you have, uh, cultivate those relationships, and 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 because all of our competitors have good good technology. There's yeah. there's a lot of good technology out there, and um, so how do you differentiate yourself? Well, you're faster, you're quicker, you're more, you know, you're more efficient, um, and, and you can be a problem solver for your customers. So that that's been probably the most fun of of, of the whole thing. Yeah, no kidding. Well, you guys have seen some tremendous growth, man. Uh, yeah. What would you say is your biggest limiter for just like further scale? Is it like supply chain, or is it just not enough manpower to put all this stuff together? I mean, what, what are you are you seeing any bit of headwinds with with growth, or is it still do you, do you have a lot of momentum going? I mean, we've got a lot of momentum going. Rig count is probably the one thing that 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 holds us back the most. Initially, when we got into the business, um, 
supply was was a problem raw material um yeah. we were still having a lot of a lot of issues with that 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 has kind of corrected itself and um, we've got a great plan with that going forward um from a growth standpoint so we currently have two uh injection lines where we where we inject the elastomer we have three what we're called wine gardeners it's the name of the m machine but uh they're the milling machines that 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 mill the rotors we currently have two two injections and then three wine gardeners by this time next year we will have three injection lines and six wine gardeners so oh. and that's starting to come in our third injection line will come in next month we're we're, we're in growth mode right we're not we, we don't we, we don't want to slow down we don't want um capacity to ever be a limiter for us yeah um so we uh um life has done this two times before um growing companies and in, 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 in the power section industry um tippy has obviously built a long career and, and built a massive uh, machine shop and a great following of customers and, and friends and um so we don't we're our biggest limiter i guess i mean and the availability and the availability of, of of rigs right you know you assume there's probably four to four to five motors per rig so if there's yeah. 600 rigs right you know that's that's an opportunity for you know, 3,000, call, call it 3,000 uh, power sections, 3,000 relines um, yeah. at any given time, right? Um, yeah. If you look at it that way, if I go up to, you know, 700 rigs, now that changes the game, and that that can increase just by by sheer availability of us being able to turn tools and help people out. Um, and we've entered into the coal tubing through tubing space, so the production side, I mean, that has helped us as, uh, grow as well. That's another um, area where... Um, we just we see exponential growth coming for us in that area as well because it's just another opportunity it's the same thing but it's just on a much smaller scale right so yeah well congrats man it's uh sounds like you guys are building and growing and and, and putting all the right pieces together and and, pro and likely a solid team too at that i'm, I'm yeah. curious yeah. i know like more on like i guess a technical side or more operations piece what would you say is the biggest uh cause for like motor failures downhole i mean i mean again i'll come from the drilling space so a lot of times we'll be hopping along and all of a sudden oh well now we got to pull it because we've seen rubber coming across the shakers we got to pull it out and a lot of mm -hmm. times it's the mud's fault of course but like what what do you what would you say is the biggest cause for motor motor failures i would say probably the biggest cause is, is man there's just so many things that go on downhole yeah. Um, re reinvestment, um, reinvestment into the motor itself. Okay. Meaning a rotor has a shelf life. It is a piece of metal. It gets worn out. You have to, you coat it with either carbide or chrome. Yeah. When, when the carbide or chrome gets worn out, you go send it out, it gets refurbished. And what we're seeing a lot now is, is there's a lot of, um, uh, worn out rotors being run and everybody, I mean, the minute of stator chunks, you have, you see, um, uh, oh, it's bad elastomer. Well, there's a lot more that goes into it than just that, right? And um, and the other thing is we're constantly chasing our tail in the power section in the in the motor world in general, right? Um, Ten years ago, we couldn't get a power section to last more than thirty hours. You know, fifteen, twenty years ago, we couldn't get a power section to last more than you know thirty hours. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, the invention of hard rubber comes out, and this the the MBR HR changes the game, and now it's putting out so much torque we can't get a transmission to hold up to the power we're putting out in the in the power section um so we're constantly chasing the tail and and it's such a reactive business um that it's hard to always be exactly right um you know so it's i mean it's a combination of things sometimes it's drilling practices sometimes it's it's um you know it's 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 a it's a bad rotor sometimes it is a, it's it's a problem with the reaction between the, the elastomer and the fluid that's being pumped down. I know that there's 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 some new fluids being introduced and, and things like that. It's not just diesel-based mud anymore. It's not just water-based mud anymore. There's there's some different stuff out there now that um, we can do lab testing on and see how it affects our elastomer and and understanding um, you know how that fit determines how how that motor performs and all that stuff. So some of it's an education piece, but at the end of the day, Tippy likes to say, "Hey, look, we're, we're gluing some some rubber into a piece of steel, and it's going two and a half miles down hole. Sometimes you're going to have an issue, you know." <laughs> yeah. So you know that that that, that is uh, at the end of the day that that that, it, that truly is what we're doing. So yeah, no, it's interesting. I uh, again, it's something that there's so many different services that go into drilling a well, and and a lot of times we don't talk to each other. And when things go wrong, it's like, well, it must be this or it must be that without. Yeah 
having an understanding. So I appreciate you adding a little bit of color to that. And it's on in the drilling fluid space, you know, we've seen, we actually did an episode on the flow line, which is a, a podcast that we do for AES drilling fluids about why uh, Chrome doesn't like chlorides. And the way we tried to explain it is because like to your point, a lot of folks in the wind West Texas are drilling with a direct emulsion, which is like a diesel and brine. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, you know, there was, there's been challenges with, it's like, oh, the, the chrome, it's like, cause chrome, from my understanding, gives you the best chance to prevent corrosion. Uh, and it, and it's, I guess, the most robust or one of the, like, besides, I guess, uh, to not titanium, there's another one. To, uh, it's carbide or chrome. Carbide is, a, it, it's just, you've got benefits of each and, 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 and downfalls of each, right? Right, right, right. But uh, so, and again, I guess I say that to say is like, there's a lot of the sort of the oil field boogeyman that, that creep up every once in a while. And then we have to try and figure this out, but uh, who knows, we might be reaching out to you for information or maybe a little bit of clarity on some things. Uh, at Absolutely. Some... Yeah. I yeah. think that's one of the biggest things is like, we all call on the same customers. We all talk <laughs> to the same people and it's like, are we going to put our head down and pass each other in the hall? What it is we're going to our next meeting? Like, yeah. Let's sit in there together and figure it out. Right. One of the big things that I've seen is like, if we come out with a proprietary power section, I'm going to go let the bit guy know first. Yeah. Hey, these are the specs of this. Make sure that, you know, because that's one of, that's where technology is really taking off. In my opinion, in directional drilling is the, is the bit technology. Right. And, but, but I also know that that affects the power section, which is also going to affect the fluid, which is also going to affect everything. So if, mm -hmm. if, if you have those conversations at first, like we just made the best power section in the history of the world. And then the bit can't keep up with it. Well, now I didn't get a good run on my first power, you know, best power section ever. So it, it is, you have to have that full conversation. And that's, that is one thing that we, we like to do with our customers is like, let's go talk to the end user together. Not like you go get Chinese telephone started and I get Chinese telephone and then we come back yeah, together and we're doing three different things. Like, let's go talk to them together and let's go solve a problem together so that we're in this. There's buy-in from the operator. There's buy-in from the directional company. There's buy-in from us. And now we're all working on a project together. Yeah. No, that's very true. I think collaboration among service providers that are all trying to reach the same goal is yeah. uh, is super critical. And a lot of times it's always been, like you say, we'll pass each other in the hallways with our head downs. And, uh, but the reality is that we all affect each other to some degree. So why not work together? Um, especially yeah. if you're not in a competing space, it's like, why wouldn't you? And it, you know, it's easier said than done. Everyone's busy and you know, For it's sure. like, unless it's part of the critical path, it's like, why would I spend time going to talk to a, a motor guy when like, I'm just trying to make sure that we can, you know, service the customer. So yeah. it's easier said than done, but I think effort getting put into that. And we've even done it across different disciplines, especially, you know, mud and solids control is, is yeah. one that comes hand in hand. And, um, but no, I think it'd be neat to, to carry the conversation, but, uh, we'll leave that for another day. Um, you know, I, we're coming up close to the end of the hour here. Nick, is there anything else that you'd like to relay to folks, whether it's, you know, coaching or the golf tournament or fatherhood? I mean, any, anything on your mind that you would use as a Friday freebie if you just had to just think of something? Man, if I had to do a Friday freebie right now, I would think it's what we talked about earlier, right? And it's just been on my mind the last couple of days is, is like our lives are, suffering is a part of our lives and a lot of times just like everything in this world we want to get through suffering as as, as quickly as possible right and it, it's it is um oftentimes it's the uh have you heard the the buffalo and the cow i think i did that one a couple weeks ago but the, you know the difference between a, a buffalo and a cow is like when when they sense a storm is coming a cow will lay down yeah and just take that storm right and just take that storm and and it'll last forever the buffalo will sense the storm and he'll run right at it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so to me, that that that's just a powerful message. And he doesn't spend as much time in the storm because he ran at it head on and he took it on. Right. Yeah. Um, to me, that's a powerful message of just you know of are we going to look at this as are we going to feel sorry for ourselves or are we going to look at this as an opportunity? There's yeah. going to be trials. There's going to be tribulations. So we can sit there and and uh, my my old uh, uh, stationary bike saying is uh you know stationary bike is fun it gives you something to do for a while but it doesn't get you anywhere right it's just like it's just like feeling sorry for yourself it's it, you it gives you something to do for a while but feeling sorry for yourself doesn't get you anywhere so um you know i always challenge my kids to look at it as an opportunity right kid came home with a bad grade the other day and i said okay cool all right what are you gonna do about it 
well, I can't do anything about that one. That one's done. You right. have an opportunity to get better now. You have an opportunity to learn from that test and then go take the next one and do better. Look yep. at it as an opportunity. Don't look at it as a problem. And that, that, that would be my Friday freebie. Man. Well, that's it. You, you heard it here, folks. That's a, that's a mic dropper right there. We're going to leave it at that for everyone out there. Really appreciate you listening. Um, Again, connect with Nick on LinkedIn. I'll put the link, his LinkedIn link in the show notes. Um, and then I'll put the uh, the vikingpt.com on there as well. Uh, and, and again, thanks for joining me, Nick. It's always a pleasure. Appreciate everything you're doing. Um, man, you deserve a huge pat on the back, man. You're, you're truly making a difference. Um, and for everyone out there, let's make sure we are approaching energy with a radically open mind. Be kind and always remember that everyone deserves access to energy and we is greater than me. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Justin. Have you ever thought about what a podcast could do for your B2B business? Well, you might be surprised by the benefits it could offer. Firstly, podcasts provide an amazing opportunity to establish your brand as an industry thought leader. By sharing your insights, experiences, and expert opinions, you position yourself as an authority, gaining the trust and the respect of your audience. Secondly, hosting a podcast is a fantastic way to engage your customers on a deeper level. It's not just about promoting your products and services, it's about providing value through engaging content, fostering strong relationships, and loyalty among your listeners. Oh, and did I mention networking? Yes, that's a huge part. Podcasts are an incredible networking tool. When you interview guests from your industry, you're not only creating valuable content, but you're also building relationships that can lead to future partnerships and collaborations. But we know starting a podcast can feel daunting. I've had several people reach out to me lately asking how to create a podcast, and that's where I'm going to try and come in and help. I'm here to help you navigate the podcast world. Reach out to me for a 15-minute call where we can discuss your podcasting ambitions. Whether you're starting from scratch or simply looking to improve your existing show, I'm here to help. And guess what? I have a playbook too, a step-by-step -step guide to launching a successful podcast, and I can't wait to share it with you. This playbook has everything from topic brainstorming to technical setup to effective promotion strategies, all the essentials for a thriving podcast. So why wait? Get in touch today and let's embark on this podcasting journey together. After all, your voice deserves to be heard. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Wicked Energy with JG. And look, if you or your organization wants to start a podcast, please visit my website and sign up for a free guide on how to start a successful podcast. Once you get through it, let me know if you have any questions or getting started. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Peace.